Hey everybody, John here. Just before we get started, I want to say that this episode is rated as explicit, so please, discretion is advised when listening to it. This is not an episode that has a lot of deep, deep meaning, but some of the lyrics and themes and discussions is just a lot easier to leave uh, some of the swear words and the hard subjects in, as opposed to trying to edit them out. That being said, also, please be aware that this was recorded before Thanksgiving, so there are a lot of Thanksgiving references in here, but it would have been, again, more difficult to pull them out than to leave them in there, okay? So, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving, and here is uh, today's episode. See you soon. What's up, everybody? This week, Greg and I speak about a debut album that launched a career. Ben Folds 5 debut album called Ben Folds 5. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe I also was never cool in school. I'm sure you don't remember me either. Welcome to the show. And you know, this wouldn't be the time of year that it is without telling everybody Happy Thanksgiving. Now, as Greg can see, I've got two black eyes and a half-broken shoulder uh, from my attempts to navigate Black Friday. Um, don't go to Walmart, everybody. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with everybody, but happy uh, Thanksgiving to everybody who's listening, um, even though we're recording this like three weeks before. Uh, <laughs> may your turkey be moist and your elderly relatives not describe it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's worse than hearing an old person say moist. For sure. <laughs> it's not the best anybody say moist to think. That's one of the words, man. It, it, yeah, it, it's a, it's one of those it's one of those weird words for sure. One of those um uh yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I I, st- I studied linguistics in college, so I, I could chase this <laughs> rabbit for a long time. So I think I'm just gonna we'll just we'll just get back on topic. How about that? Uh hi everybody. Hope you were doing well, like I said, on this Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully you were kind enough to uh, not heckle me yesterday as I uh as I bumbled my way through FIFA 98, or maybe as I cruise my way through FIFA 98. I don't know. You don't know. It hasn't happened yet, but it will have happened by the time you listen to this recording. I'm John. I'm John by Greg, as you can obviously tell. Hello. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about not a very well-known album, but an album that launched a career and, like, it laid the foundation for maybe not worldwide absolute mega success, but a solid wonderful career of one man and definitely a steady career for two more okay yeah i i mean i, I can just go ahead and attest that this the kind of career that, that this guy these guys had is pretty much the definition of making it to any musician yeah to be able to do what you do for a living full time be able to tour yeah i mean that's that's it right there so i would love to have had the career these guys have had and listening to their works it's a shame that they weren't bigger bigger than what they were. They they really were um under uh marketed, I think. Yeah. Um they were kind of a tough sell though because they they didn't really fit anywhere. No. No. They, they weren't didn't. really rock, they're not really pop. I mean they're just they're just Ben Folds five. That's that's exactly. that's what they are. Uh, so yeah, they give a great description of what they describe their music as, and I'm gonna I'll read it here in a, in a minute. But before we get started, here on social media, check us out: Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, go to becausewemenetwork.com, and obviously check out everything that's in the description of this podcast. You can look at it up on your phone. You can see everything that we're doing. So yes, yeah, so YouTube great. stuff. Yeah, yeah, you gotta check out the because maybe YouTube they they put videos up all the time. Lots of good stuff. Lots of 
lots of, they'll they'll post like uh you know funny bits and stuff yep. from the episodes so yeah definitely check that out uh, today I was uh, editing the uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi episode, which dropped a couple of weeks ago when you listened to this. Um, and, man, some of the one-liners that we had in there were... Uh, I didn't realize how good some of them were until I started recording, until I started editing them. Because that yeah. was... that was Yeah, so I, I, I managed to uh, managed to make sure that we avoided uh, defamation lawsuits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, you know, only only we could have to avoid defamation lawsuits by saying that Phil Spector killed Kurt Cobain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. 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 All right. The timeline's all wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> well, you know, time travel was, was really good back then, especially with much acid that people were taking. Uh, yeah, right. Anything I, is possible. People th- are melting. Right. I saw a thing earlier that said, um, Florida man on acid saves dog from fire that didn't exist. So, <laughs> so Tuesday. Right. T- Tuesday in Florida. Gotcha. Uh, and of course, no, any- no offense, no offense to our Florida fans out there. I, I actually uh, play a lot in Florida. Florida's Florida's actually a really really fun place to give me. Yeah. So. If any for all of our Fl- Floridian listeners, just replace florida with texas there you go, there you and, go. Any, and any texas <laughs> fans just replace it with uh alabama and Elia- and any alabama fans great that you got this electricity uh <laughs> jeez i'm j- i'm just messing i like i like to pick I'm, i look we're in louisiana we, we can't talk about crap like that. yeah yeah we're all in the same boat we're all we're all in the same boat there pretty much so. uh, unfortunately with the part of the titanic that's like at a 50 degree angle right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, as we've mentioned, as we alluded to earlier, we are talking about the debut album of Ben Folds 5, which uh, yeah. is called Ben Folds 5. It's always yes. good. I think it's always good to have an album named after you. I think it should always be the first album, personally, because like yeah. you're introducing yourselves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, but, I mean, I, but once again, it's that we've talked about this before, but I mean, it's, it's, it's art. So, I mean, there's no wrong answer. You no. can name your album, you know, Diarrhea Part One. If you want. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your business, you know. Right. But, Especially, but yeah. it's definitely your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for, uh, but uh, I do appreciate that when a band will put out a um, self-titled album. It's just weird to me. Like the Deftones put out their self-titled album it was like their fifth album or something like that. Yeah, the same so thing. Kind of odd, but yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's all the same. Blur's fifth album was was a self-titled album, and I think the Beatles' ninth album was a self-titled album. Of course, nobody yeah. calls the Beatles album the Beatles. They call it the White Album. The White Album, yeah. So, yeah, it's it is universally known as that. Now, a quick yeah. quick sidebar: is is the Black Album by Metallica called Metallica, or is it just? Was it called the Black Album? I'm not it sure. It is exclusively, it is officially the self-titled album, but is exclusively ah, known by- As the Black Album. The Black Album. Period, paragraph, end of paper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one calls anything other than that. The best album they did. I don't know. I'm not a Metallica fan. Uh, <laughs> as you can anything, obviously well, tell. Pretty much anything. Uh, I think most people will agree that the first, uh, basically everything from Ride the Lightning all the way- up to the Black Album was gold. But there's some people that, like purists, that will argue that the Black Album kind of sucked and, yeah. and signaled the beginning of the end of the thrash part of Metallica. I mean, there's some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, everybody has that one album where they peak and then all of a sudden... I thought, I thought they got a lot of slack for Load. I actually thought that was a really good album. I enjoyed it. I don't know. Maybe, uh, it, had, it had, like, country elements. It had all these really... <laughs> 
un-Metallica. I, you know, and I appreciated them doing that, putting in the effort to, to like try something new and, uh, yeah search other sounds but a lot of people didn't get it man they wanted them to be fast and angry it's like they they cut their hair they're like in their 50s now man <laughs> you know they got mortgages and kids going to college and stuff like you know I mean, they're not as angry and pent up as they were you know in the 80s now i don't know i don't know the, the full extent of van halen for example i don't know if they were angry or not but you know the right. drum the drummer is uh van halen's son i mean you got to give him a little bit of you know a little bit of they, they can't talk about banging women especially if uh you know your kids on the sticks yeah you know well yeah well um actually van halen's son is the bass player bass player that's the, right the drummer the drummer is his younger brother i'm gonna right. say i know one of them's one of them's a drum i know wolf wolfie is in the band but i don't know which yeah wolfie's place. wolfie's the bass and alex his brother okay, yeah. uh is the drummer but yeah nonetheless uh well at least his son was grown when he got in the picture so true at least there's that, but still, that's that's you know, hot for teacher, like you know, your soul, and you'll go, okay, like, yeah, hot for teacher, yeah, yeah, that could be kind of weird, yeah, I could see that, yes. Uh, oh, wait, um, uh, <laughs> that must be the weirdest after party either, you know. Um, but going back to going back to our subject at hand, and the, re- and the reason we went off on a tangent there is because this is we're going to be digging deep into this album, and there's a lot of things to dig deep into. Um, I'll be I'll com- be, be completely honest, right? I had only heard a couple of songs off this album until i got the album about a year or so ago when you know uh we did that music exchange and um i for a while i wasn't sure of it right sure it it, because i i don't say grew up but like i i started with ben fold solo stuff first right um the guys the the guys i was in the band with back home they were big ben falls fans big rem fans which is ironic uh the last two subjects we've talked about but um correct we did a lot of ben folds solo stuff right um stuff like rock in the suburbs the luckiest uh fred jones and all that kind of stuff and my education of ben folds was the first solo album and then like a handful or two of his song of, of ben folds five songs so I was only familiar with I got I got it written down because I, I I remember this kind of stuff like I only, was only familiar with Underground Philosophy and the Last Polka before we started before, before I got this album right and at first couple of listens I was listening to it in chunks and I just didn't you know it just it just wasn't going for me I'm, I'm like yeah. You know, and then when I wrote down I wanted to do this episode, I thought, you know what? I've got to listen to the album, right? I can't just wing it. I can't just, you know, pull this out of my, pull this out of my ass. Every album that I've reviewed, I've been familiar with. I better listen to this album. And the first time I listened to it all the way was about eight weeks ago. And in the last eight weeks, I've only listened to two albums, Ben Folds 5, and I listened to New Adventures twice just to refresh my mind before we did the recording. Like, this yeah. has constantly been on constantly 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 because it is fantastic oh yes yeah uh yeah i i definitely agree with that um uh my first exposure to this was actually on the radio really yeah i actually heard uh, underground on the radio nice um okay uh I, I was living in southern arizona at the time uh just north of tucson and we actually had a dedicated alternative radio um network basically cool and they did they did a thing um every night where they would they would play a new piece of music and then they would let people call in and like get thumbs up thumbs down 
or neutral. Yeah. Like that. So they would like, they would kind of like contest, like they would pit songs against each other and stuff like that. Well, anyways, Ben Folds was one of the songs that they picked for, for that night. And, um, I can't even remember the other band, but they put it up against underground and Ben Folds absolutely blew them out oh, of the yeah. water. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, so yeah, I've heard first heard underground on the radio. Wow. And I was immediately hooked. It was, it was, it was late at night. It was probably nine, nine thirty, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't have the album full album. I don't think until a couple years later, but, um, to me, it's a, it's an absolute track to track masterpiece. Yes. Um, it, each song has its own personality, its own, uh, story. Um, and there's some other really interesting elements that I want to get to track by track. Yeah. Um, as far as like the musician side of it, I'm absolutely infatuated with the way the bass is presented. Oh yeah. And mixed and produced in this album. The, the, the bass is like, it's like a runaway truck with no brakes with a, with a fuzz pedal attached to the front. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely wonderful. It's, it's like, it takes over, it kind of takes over the songs. Yep. It's in some point. So it's almost like a, like a lead instrument, but anyway, we'll, we'll get way more into that, but yeah, absolutely fantastic album. It's, it's an album that when I put it on, I have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Same here. Put it on track number one and let it fly. And by the time, um, Alice Childress comes on, oh, yeah. I'm full on singing backup vocals and lead <laughs> as much as my lungs can handle. So, uh, yeah, man, absolutely. I was very excited to, um, find out that we were i knew we were doing men folds i wasn't sure what aspect we we're doing because as john mentioned before he's got a pretty robust um solo career as well as well yeah. and that can get obscured because ben folds five ben folds etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah when we when i found out we were doing this yeah totally blown away well what you know you mentioned like the bass playing in there uh, a friend of mine back home said that one of the hallmarks of the band is that they never picked up a six string guitar in, yeah, there's, in every record up until Rock in the yeah. Suburbs, they didn't pick up a six string guitar. Yeah, um, that's that's one of the points that I was going to make. Um, they they are they are set up more like a a jazz band, yes, than a rock band. Like their their configuration is a traditional three piece jazz, jazz rhythms re- rhythm section. Yeah, when, you, when people talk about a jazz rhythm section, that's exactly what we're talking about: a bass, some drums, and a piano. Yep, and. And they're all, I mean, I don't want to say they, I don't, I don't know if they're all classically trained, but they're all highly, highly proficient in what they're they do. They're damn good. Yeah. I they're mean, they're all very, very good. And they all sing. They all sing and play I'm in all, harmony. Yeah, I mean, wow. I'm always fascinated by a singer drummer. I really am. Phil Collins and um, Old Boy from the Eagles don't really count as far as I'm concerned because they did a lot really? of, because <laughs> they, they did a lot of frontman duties as well. You know, yeah, okay. But I'm trying to remember that guy. Not Glenn Fry, the other guy. Uh, what's his name? Not Glenn Fry, the other guy. <laughs> Not Glenn Fry. The you other know, guy. I'm gonna look. I can't, I can't I'm gonna look this up because um, it's bothering me. And the thing is, I know it from a joke from uh, Rich Taking Hall. it easy. Why it, can't I think of that? Oh, uh, Don Henley. Don Henley. Don yeah, Henley. I have his album. I have his solo album that he put out in the '90s. That's a kick-ass record, man. End the end of the innocence. Hey, fellas, you want to? <laughs> You want to try to get your lady, uh, you know, <laughs> your lady ready? Mood? Put on some Don Henley, man. <laughs> Into the innocence. I'm not even kidding you. It, uh, it works, man. It works. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> like for okay, a, a song example, right? That, that that I mean by by, by the whole drumming thing. Um, yeah, we we both own American Idiot, 
right? Yeah. And the song is Homecoming. It's the second 10-minute song that's like three, three two-minute songs that's in there, right? I don't know what, yeah. yeah. And one of them is sung by Trey Cool. And I've seen them do, yeah. and I've seen them do the live thing out there. And he's like, he's got the microphone dead in front of his face, and he ain't, he's, he ain't missing a beat. And it's like he, he's like, he's just singing along, you know. Right. And the same thing goes for, um, for uh, Darren Jesse of Ben Folds. He's like, as far as it looks like when I've seen live clips of them, he's just singing along with the song, and he doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't get out of time. He, he, it doesn't affect his singing either. And I know the drumming and singing is the hardest thing to do. You know, uh, uh, a little off, sort of off topic, but uh, I recently saw Mastodon. Yep. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're they're a kind of like a a new metal prog band. But uh, they have they have a fantastic drummer. He's Sweet. absolutely world world class. I mean, incredible. This guy Braun Daler. I think he, I believe he's from Germany. I'm not sure on that. Probably. He has a very German name. <laughs> but anyways. He, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about him when I saw them, but he, uh, everybody in the band sings lead at one point or another, including him. So he's like doing, he's doing all these crazy polyrhythms and flying down the tom rack in perfect time while singing. Yeah. I just, it's just like, man, I I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't, I can't even mumble sing when I'm playing my guitar, when I'm picking. It's, you know, it's, it's like it's an you gotta form. pat your head pat was it pat your head and rub your stomach like if you can do that <laughs> you can like, do that while singing and and then juggle and then that's what it's like to play an instrument and sing at the same time uh, it's it, it's 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 if and you ever you ever heard it because you, you play bass you know it's a different it's a different mentality because you're following the drums okay you're yeah i mean it's it's different um because i've been a i've been a front man that's just saying I've played guitar and saying I played bass and saying I played drums. I've done all of them actually. Wow. And um, bass is, it's different than all of them because your timing is so, you're basically gluing the guitar and the drums together. Yeah. So when you're singing, you're singing right on beat. When you're playing bass, you might not be. Yeah. So it's, you might it, be moving in a way that's counterintuitive to what you're singing. Well, like we, we mentioned underground and, and we'll get to that here in a minute, but that like, Cor- that, that chorus where they're doing the falsetto and he's also playing like uh, a, the bass riff too at the same time it's like dude like i can't even play like i i've, I've got right here right? i pulled it up and i've got right here this piece of paper i wanted to learn yeah. how to play underground on the bass and i i've kind of got all four parts down but not at the same time <laughs> and that's yeah man they're 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 all wicked talented i like i don't know if i know ben folds is trained but i don't know if the other guys i think they might be they're so good i mean especially with the jazzy element too very few non-trained non-trained musicians do jazzy stuff in my oh experience. yeah and they go and they go into a jazz standard at the end of underground and, i mean that is straight up lounge jazz yeah and, i mean straight up and i think they do it in philosophy too i'm not sure but um i but, think a couple times you're right yeah but but okay this is the like i said we, this is the first time on ben folds right ben folds five and not right. just ben folds but like the, the band ben folds five excuse me and you know for all the nerds out there it was released in august of 95 produced by caleb southern who's considered the fourth member of ben folds five um it was released okay. it was released on a very very small label called passenger and it's been described as a combination of jazz, piano rock, and rock, which is... I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And it's not what, what the band would describe it as. And I love the description. I'm, I'm going to read that here in a minute. But I mean, you know, the way that the band came together was very, very weird. They're all from 
uh, Salem, North Carolina, right? But they didn't, like, they weren't together for years and years and years and years before they got them a record deal. It was kind of the other way around. It's like they he had a record deal and needed a band from what from what I've read. Now I might be okay, misinterpreting gotcha. it, but I mean, um, he Ben Folds had a publishing contract, right? And he got the contract in nineteen ninety, right out in nineteen ninety three. Uh, he had lots of run ins with the publishing company because he wasn't getting his stuff done. Uh, he admitted in an interview, he said that, uh, in Nashville, I was running eight miles a day, hanging out with my friends, walking around, eating chocolate chip cookies, and playing a lot of drums, which I enjoyed. Life was easy. I was never frustrated, even though I wasn't fulfilling my contract obligations. If you're failing in Nashville, at least your standard of living is nice, because Nashville is a nice way to fail. So, you know, he, 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 he mentioned that he just, it wasn't working out for him. And we'll get to, um, there's a song in this album that he wrote around the same time as another song, which I'll, which I'll go into more depth when we, we talk about that. So he kind of moved to New York. Ben Foles moved to New York and started, you know, working in theater troops, improv comedy troops, was kind of not doing the music thing anymore. And he started working, uh, he started appearing, excuse me, doing weekly shows at Sin E, which is a New York cafe. And it's kind of, it's kind of one of those hip clubs where, you know, um, lots of musicians have done lots of, lots of try, lots of unsigned musicians did gigs there when they were unsigned, but became like huge. Um, people like Sinead O'Connor, Jeff Buckley, Marianne Faithful, uh, Shane McGowan of the Pogs, you know? So a lot of people came from this club and now I guess you can add Ben Folds to that list. But the difference was, is that Folds was hosting stuff and kind of doing the classic thing of I'll let you come up, you do three songs, then I'll play a song, then the next act comes on and does a couple of stuff, then I'll play a song, you know. Not necessarily an open mic, but you know, more a hey, tonight we've got Davy 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 and Bobby Smith and Ben Fold, you know? That's uh that's very similar to the um to the uh program that I used to host downtown. Yeah. Very yeah, I used to do the exact same thing actually. Um I every week I would find a different performer and usually it was a musician, but like I had magicians and like people that juggled and just some kind of type of entertainment, you know? And then I would kind of sandwich a few performances around them and like, Oh, here comes Dexter with his acoustic. Okay. You want to do a set? All right, cool. Yeah. Get up there, you know? And that's how the holodecks were formed actually was through that program. Sweet. You know, cause so, yeah, those are, if you ever see one of those, go to it. Definitely. Definitely. Cause it, it, it does sound like a hell, hell of a type of show, right? And so what happened was then Ben Folds, around about 1990, around about 1990, 1993, something like that, he was married to a lady named Anna Goldman, and they were divorced, or were divorcing at this time. And because of that, he moved back to North Carolina, and in 93 formed Ben Folds 5. Now, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but let's, let's address the elephant in the room real quick. When I say Ben Folds 5, how many people do you expect are in the band? Well, yeah, by namesake, I think most people would guess five. Yeah. And I think they do have the sound of five people. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, totally a trio. There's only three <laughs> of them, right? Now, this, yeah. there's two, there's one, there's a theory that the fans have, and there's what the band actually said it is, but they wish it was the theory that the fans had. They'd call, promo- they'd call places up and say, hey, we have a band called Ben Folds Five. Can we play at your place? Yeah, sure. Okay, we we want X amount of money and like a 
food and drink, right? And the right. and the promoters would know the band called Ben Folds Five, so they'd put out complimentary drinks and food for five people instead of three, so they'd get more free booze and free food. <laughs> there you go. Now that's what the fans think, but unfortunately Ben Folds quashed that by saying, "No, we chose Ben Folds Five because it sounds better than Ben Folds Three. <laughs> yeah, a little alliteration there never hurts. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, it's still it's still misleading though. A little, a little. And I mean, you know, a little, just a little, just a little. But I mean, uh, it's it's no worse than uh, Alabama Three, that had at least nine members. You know, they woke up this yeah. morning and multiplied their band. Uh- <laughs> the Eagles, the Eagles of Death Metal, like that. I was that name always confused me. Uh, do you know where that name came from? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, the guy for I think. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. The guy from the Queen of the Stone Age is the lead singer of Eagles of Death Metal. Right? I'm not sure on that one. Uh, me, uh, Josh Home? Yeah, I think so. All right? Let me I'm let me pull sure this let me pull this up to to uh uh get get this right cuz I want to get this right because I love this story. Yeah, it is Josh Home. He's he's on the drums. Okay. He's on the drums for this band. Okay, I gotcha. The the name comes from they were uh him and the the guys that that became the, the Eagles of Death Metal. They were sitting around listening to some brand new music. And they were listening to to a whole bunch of death metal and one of the guys commented says i don't like these guys because these guys are the eagles of death metal (laughs) i said oh that's a cool name for a band so they call themselves the eagles of death metal (laughs) okay well that makes that makes more sense yeah but I, I love that story i love that story um yeah we mentioned earlier it's got a very very unique sound i mean it it's heavy rock with no uh distortion aside from the bass and like i said we mentioned there's no form of uh six string guitar at all no yeah no guitar whatsoever which i thought was kind of refreshing yeah and, and um, when, yeah and we're not just talking about this album we're talking about across the whole ben Folds five discography for the first three albums that they did yeah so you know no 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 guitars no acoustic guitars no electric guitars no sitters no mandolins nothing so what they did, right, is that Ben Folds would, like, absolutely slap the shit out of his piano. Just, like, beat, like, if you've seen live clips of the band, you'll just see him beating it and elbowing it and just, you know, more or less abusing it, right? And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Robert Sledge, bass player, would have a fuzzbox distortion pedal, and he'd just kick that in yeah. at certain points, and it would make the sound even bigger, and Robert Sledge would just beat the crap out of his drums... And they they'd have a sound for five people, hence Ben Folds Five. Now, um, yeah, this is what they this is what they describe their music as, right? And I love this description. I think that it's you know I think that it's uh, it's it's an amazing amazing uh, description of their music, and I think it's right. Ben Folds is a self-professed nerd, right? He he, he right. He's, he's admitting he's a nerd. He's admitted he's uncool and you know just uh you know whatever he described ben Fold's sound as punk rock for sissies <laughs> <laughs> it is up it is up tempo yeah um i mean i think brick is probably their their most like subdued song yeah and it's it's not even on this album it's no nowhere near it and, and i think that's this i honestly think that's the song that most people associate ben Fold's five with yes and it i think that's kind hit. of unfortunate because um, it's kind of like that, it's kind of like that band, uh, the Verve Pipe, 
Yeah. Like the, their biggest song was that song, The Freshman. It's that really sad, slow song with that really uh, iconic arpeggio guitar part. Um, but uh, yeah, like they're only, they're known by that, but like most of their album isn't like that at all. So no. I, I mean, think it's like a bad representation. So if you only know Ben Folds from Brick, you should definitely check out their self-titled album. It's a better you, representation. Yeah, you're missing out. I mean, there's, but there's a lot of bands like that too, though. There's like... Um, uh, the Wallflowers are known for One Headlight. Sammy yeah. Sonic are known for Closing Tom. And it's not truly reflective of who they are. And oh, they've done uh, better yeah. work. They've done a lot better oh, work. Sure. Uh, another another good example of that, uh, and it's a 90s band, uh, Harvey Danger. Yes. They are known for that song, Flagpole Sitta. And it's a great tune, don't get me wrong. We play it in the Holodex, theholodex.com, www.theholodex.com. Check us out. We're dormant right now, but... Uh, We've got stuff uh, from the live recording on our YouTube page, so you can check that out. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I totally lost where I was going there. That plug, Harvey Danger. But, uh, yeah, Harvey Danger. So they're, they're, they're very similar in the fact that they have a non-traditional approach to their music. Yeah. Also, they have a bass player who has a fuzz pedal obsession. Yeah. Also, who, who loves to... If you listen to their uh, the album "Where Have All the Merry Merrymakers Gone," um, there's two songs in particular. There's one called "Wooly Muffler," and there's another one called um, "Private Helicopter." And what I think is cool about it, and and what bridges us back to Ben Folds, is that their bass player too, he their guitars don't take solos at all. Yeah, I know the bass. That. The bassist does all the solos. And he also uses a thick, like, fuzz or distortion on his bass. So it, it kind of, they're kind of, I always kind of associate these two acts because of that. Yeah. Um, they, they have that outside-of-the-box approach. They're, um, you know, it's weird, though. Harvey Danger sounds like they should be a three-piece. And Ben Folds 5 sounds like they should be a five-piece. But it's the other it's way the around. the way around. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now that anyway. I'm now that I'm listening now that I'm listening to it in my head, flagpole sitter, that first part, oh, yeah, it's bass, not guitar. It's like yep, now I, it's slapping me right in the face. <laughs> we were we were we were playing it at practice one day because um uh, we I think Ben yeah Ben relinquished his guitar on that one because we just realized there was only one prevailing yeah. guitar part throughout once again because the emphasis is not on the guitar which is kind of not typical for the '90s the guitars usually did a lot of the heavy lifting you oh know, yeah Soundgarden Nirvana bands like that. But he was showing Dexter like a few little nuances about the the some of the rhythm parts, and um, I realized when we when we kicked it up, kicked it on, that there was a big old gaping hole in the beginning of it because I was just playing the root notes, yeah, like I do in the verses. And I went back and listened to it, and I heard he slides up, yeah, that does this whole thing like way up high. Once I added that, I was like, okay, there's all that, there's all that space I was looking for. There it is. There you go. But yeah, the very, very, very akin to uh, Ben Folds and the and the way that the bass is produced and presented. Well, Ben Folds, Ben Folds work, piano work, whatever you want to call it, his structures of songs. He's got very, very, um, he's got. What's the best way to say this? He's got four songs, right? And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like you know, a lot of people say every Beatles song sounded the same or whatever. What I mean is Ben Folds got four types of songs that he writes. He writes serious ballads. Yeah, uh, brick. Yeah, brick. Semi-serious stuff, like "Song for the Dumped," for example. Both of these are not on this album. Uh, 
Um, Serious songs with sarcasm through the damn roof. And then write out funny songs. So, uh, like Julianne. Julianne's one of the the funny songs, so to speak. And, uh... But it's got a serious kind of, like, it's yeah. got a relatable kind of, but yeah, uh, I just love the opening line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I met this chick, she looks, looks like, like Axl, Axl Rose. Rose. Oh, so uh, I don't think you could say, like, a sarcastic one would be, like, something like Sports and Wine. Oh, it's like dripping, Walter. Yeah, just dripping with sarcasm. Yeah, not supposed absolutely. to be funny, but absolutely hilarious at the same time. Now, we're not talking, like, Al Yankovic-style funny. We're talking about literally a song that is just happens to be funny because of how it's presented okay now it's presented seriously but the lyrics are kind of yes. silly and hilarious yeah yes. it's 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 uh it's it's a a prophetic attempt at uh dry humor i mean yeah. the guy's a master at it dry humor that's the word i was looking for i couldn't get it now before we get go. now we're about to dive in track by track before we do for all the nerds out there who want to know this ben folds plays piano and sings robert sledge plays bass guitar and backing vocals darren jesse plays drums and backing vocals and that's basically the band. They don't have any extra musicians or any extra instruments. Now, there is something that I found funny when I was doing the research for this, and this might only be funny to our uh, British listeners. The song Boxing, which is the closing track, has string section on it. Yes. And it was just two guys. It was a guy called Ted Urhart and a guy mm-hmm. called Chris Eubank. Now, I had to do a double take and do some extra research in it. Unfortunately, it is not British boxer... Chris Eubank. <laughs> Chris yeah, well, okay, wow. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. When life imitates art. Yeah. Chris Eubank Chris is one of the greatest boxers Britain's ever produced, but unfortunately he did not play cello on a 1995 American alternative album. He was probably too busy. <laughs> That'd be He's probably busy, too busy. Some, <laughs> you got some alternative cred on that. Yeah, it looks from when I was, it looks like uh, Erhard played viola as well. So it looks like they double tracked a little bit. Oh, wow. Because it's, yeah. it sounds like they have a nice little section going on. I wouldn't be surprised if they double tracked um, uh, a little bit of everything to uh, make it sound full. Yeah, definitely. They probably like recorded one of every instrument and then like just expanded the crap out of it as much as you know as much as they could because it does sound I've really heard rich people, yeah i've heard of people for, in that case like for gang vocals and if they're trying to um simulate a symphony they'll take like a bunch of like say the one violin plays it well they'll go in and change the eq on it a little bit and put yeah. it on another track and then just slip it a little bit it's yeah. like just behind it or just in front of it so that they, they don't sound quite perfect, but they're still they, they, together gives kind of a coursey effect. Yeah, they don't sound the same. They don't sound the same, but they, they all, even though they are the same, they don't sound the same. And it kind of tricks you into thinking there's two of them or three of them. Yeah, and you can, ten you, of them. And you can hard pan them on each side as well to give a little depth. Yeah, there's all kinds of different ways you could do that. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's I think that was really needed for those tracks. Yeah. Because um, boxing is... It's kind of a cheeky ballad. Yeah. It's like it's like he's being serious, but he's he's kind of being coy about it well, in a way. The, like I, I don't know. The, the mood's so weird on it. The first thing I thought of the first time I heard it was Georgia on my mind. Yeah, I could see that. That's, yeah, that's the first it, thing. It's, it's a love. It's a love song, definitely, but it's kind of a. It's the his love seems to be kind of displaced for some reason. I, I don't know, but that's kind of the last song. So. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that here in a minute. So what what comes what comes after the last song, the first song? Uh, this right here, Ben Folds Five debut single, Jackson Canary. Um, stop the bus! Stop the bus! Um, this right here is like the benchmark of a Ben Folds song. Yeah, it's got the 
It's got the funky kind of drum beat into it. The, ben the Folds piano. Yeah. Yeah. Folds just slapping the crap out of his piano and the fuzz bass coming into it very, very quickly. Yeah. And then yeah. just like scream uh-huh. and then screaming, stop the bus. I want to be lonely. And just like bang, they're off to the races. One of my favorite lines is after that. As seconds pass slowly and years go flying by. Yeah. You got to stop the bus. That's that's. That's really that 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 I I think I try to think about that every day as a reminder to make every moment count. I mean, it it, it is, you know? and that's what it's about. I mean, uh, it's it's apparently the story of a person who just like has hit his limit when when the limit has been hit over, you know, over everything that's going on in his life. The limit is hit, and he's like, "Stop this ride! I want to get off." You know exactly. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. But from what I get to it, it's like you wake up. It's like for someone that wakes up and they're they're in their mid to late thirties and they haven't done what they wanted to do or they thought they would have done. They maybe they haven't settled down, you know. Maybe they haven't even found anybody, etc. Yeah, that's what that's what. It, but that that to me, it's like taking a positive look and like realizing that you need to better your situation and what you need to do it, metaphorically is to get off the bus you're on and yeah, get on a new bus. Definitely. Now, a lot of people pointed out who, who, who are familiar with the, with the album, they think that it's, uh, a lot of fans think that it's a song about divorce because that second verse, all she wants is food on the table and I won't be able to bring it home. You know? That, I, I, don't, I don't get divorced from that. I get more... Um, Regret. Uh, well, maybe. What I think of is, um, like... As a, an inability to provide. Yeah. Perhaps like me, because, you know, musicians are really bad with money. <laughs> and quirky musicians like Ben Folds, I'm sure he's got like a, um, you know, like a ancient Chinese retainer collection or something crazy <laughs> you've never heard of that he spends all his money on. But to me, uh, I, generally, though, inadequ- inadequacy. Yes. I guess would like uh, or maybe he feels like a wallet. Like, that's oh. all he is, is money. Like, he wants more. Maybe he he feels like he's missing out on life because there's other aspects of, like, intimacy and th- things that he's not getting. And he's locked into a box. And all he wants to do, oh, in this case, he's locked on a bus, and all he wants to do is just get off. He's, he's done. He wants to get on a better bus. Yeah. This is not the bus. This bus is not taking him where he wants to go. He's tired of being on it. So that that's that's kind of my takeaway as a as a... 30-something, 30-something, man. (laughs) Well, it's also, like, you know, even musical-wise, I mean, that three-part harmony is just, like... I've never heard a better three-part harmony, especially featuring guys who cannot really sing. Look, with all due respect, right, these three guys are better singers than I am, but I don't think they're the best singers, you know? it's it's, They they sing well together. Yes, yeah. It's just... They, none of them would be lead lead frontmen, you know, if it wasn't for this band, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know. I particularly I particularly enjoy Ben Fold's voice. I think it's very unique. It, it is unique. And I think he's very talented, like, in just his overall presentation is just very, very good. Yeah. I mean, is, he the, is he like Freddie Mercury? Nah. But he's really good at being Ben Fold. Oh, he's, ve- he's, he's very energetic live. I mean, the, he came into town, was it about 10 years ago now? I think it was. Was it, he didn't play at Centenary or something like I that? He played at the uh, at the uh, the gold the, the the gold ball. Yeah, the gold the gold dome. The gold yeah. dome, and it was fantastic. I mean, he had the energy that I haven't seen from 
you know i mean a lot of the bands i saw were you know with with the british bands of the of the mid to late 90s and they just basically stood there playing you know yeah. uh the only band that didn't do that was travis and i never saw those live but like they they moved around when they were playing even though they were a little softer than, than that you know their excuse was a moving target is a lot harder to hit than a stationary target uh because <laughs> they came from glasgow so i mean you know that that's a hard place to come from so i mean you know he, but he's got he's got a ton of energy i just in my humble opinion for what it's worth which isn't worth much uh you know i'm just they they do well together and Ben Folds does really good by himself. Right. But I just think that, you know, that they're better together than they are apart. This is the best way to say it. Sure. So, you know. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, what Ben Folds said in an interview, he said that uh, the song came from a guy who was riding the bus from college to work, and he was kind of losing his shit at the time, and he had the bus driver pull over and let him off. He ended up in Ireland trying to find U2. What fascinated me was that any point in your life, you can just quit. You can just quit anything you want. And I thought it was kind of dramatic, the idea of just standing up and screaming, stop the bus. So you can picture kind of this guy just sitting on a bus halfway through and him just standing up, screaming, getting off the bus and living his life the way he wants it. It's a metaphor, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a metaphor for, uh, you know, inadequacy or maybe not having control of your life. Like you ever hear somebody uh, say uh, something about... uh, He's he's driving, but someone else is at the wheel. Yeah. Or he's driving, and no one's at the wheel. Yeah, maybe not. You know, kind of connected to that a little bit too. Like you want to get, you want to be in control in the driver's seat, so to speak, or at least on the bus that's going the direction that you want to be going. You know, I I love it. I think it's I think it's a fantastic way to open the album. It's uh it's uh uh energetic. It's poppy. It's catchy. Um. It, it really feels like it needs hand claps in the beginning. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Because there's like this pulse, uh, bass drum pulse, like boom, 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 like two, three, four, like quarter notes, you know? Yeah, you can even definitely so feel it. A, just like a boom, boom, I just think that would have worked. I don't know. It's just me. But yeah, great, great tune. Good opener. I don't think any other song on this album could have been the opener either. Nothing. Mm, May, yeah, me, maybe underground but that's only because of um how they how that song starts which we'll get to here in a few yeah. minutes yeah i would say maybe underground or best imitation of myself probably because that one kind of builds a little bit yeah um but yeah i think i think it's a solid choice for the opener definitely it builds it builds a lot and then uh you know the bass dropping in like that is just epic and i think that it really really goes really well with philosophy which is the next track um this is another one of those songs you can look at and say, ah, oh, this is a Ben Fold song. You know, it, it's there's no other way to, to do it. I love that opening sequence, which is just piano. I really do. That's a heck of a hook. And, you know, it, I, I don't yeah. know what more can be said about that part. There's there's a really cool quadruplet run that he does. Yeah. It, he starts on, like, on the higher register of the piano, playing with one hand. And he does like this little sweep where he plays four notes really quick. Yeah, yeah, but it's like real quick. It's like, like, and it's real crisp. Like, man, he's he, he nailed very, it. very good. He nailed it. This song was the first song that I got exposed to Benfold's Five with. Uh, they performed this on Jules Holland in the UK, which was uh, even now was one of those shows where if you make it, if you go on Jules Holland, you notice because he doesn't book 
popular guests or just guests to book guests. He like, if you're a good musician, you're a good band, you're a unique sound, even pop acts, you know, if, if as long as the pop act is not, you know, manufa- too manufactured, he'll, he'll invite you on the show, right? An example of that was, um, I can't remember the name of the singer, but she went on like the, 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 the poppy program, right? And she's wearing, you know, standard early 2000 pop singer clothes and the dancers that she's dancing with are wearing their stuff. And then like 10 o'clock that night, they went on Jules Holland and she's in a, a, a nice formal gown and they are not dancing anymore, but they're doing their backing vocals in suits. You know, huh. so it was respect in the space that was there. Interesting. So, But they did philosophy on, on Jules Holland and like almost, almost destroyed his piano. <laughs> wow yeah he's aggressive definitely with his uh way he plays i mean a lot of people think a lot of people think this is him this is one of a few songs on this album that he's talking about his penis uh he actually said oh. that in the linear notes of the uh b-sides and rarities album that this song is about his penis I've, well i mean i sang and danced about a high rise you were laughing at my helmet hat i'm crazy but i get <laughs> the job done i mean the more you think about it it's like oh yeah this could be you know it's not the first track on oh, the album okay. you think that way. It's not about that. It's a, <laughs> it's a, literally about his philo- his philosophy on life, and yeah. you know, he's just metaphoring it like that. I mean, but this it's got a great great line, great line in here that I love. It says, "It's really not that you can't see the forest for the trees. You've just never been out in the woods alone." Yeah, I love that line. There's there's really there's really good. Um, there's really good quotes to live by in this album, and that's one of them. Yeah, um, like the um, uh, the one from Jackson Cannery that I was yeah. just talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's quotable quotes um, th- throughout it, and that's definitely one of them. And I mean, at the end of the song, he just goes ballistic on his piano again, and just the whole again, it's it's just a a wall of noise, you know. They have a lot. They have a big sound for three piece. Yeah. It really and this, huge, and it's part. It's it's because of Ben Folds. Yeah, he fills up so much sound. Oh yeah, and I mean this album was was recorded live, so to speak. You know, they didn't yeah. overdub. They didn't do double track and triple track. They literally set it up like a jam, and recorded separate rooms. Just went for yeah. It. They just they no. They didn't yeah. even do separate rooms. They did it out in the floor of the studio, like it was a jamming session. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So th- there's it's, a. It's really clean. It's really clean. There's, there's a lot of bleed. You know, there's a lot of bleeding and everything like that. And I guess that's what they wanted. I mean, a lot. It's kind of raw. I mean, it's raw but warm. You know, it doesn't sound overproduced. Like I, I listened to it. I gave it a critical listen uh, earlier today, actually, so it'd be fresh in my mind. Um, its uh, profile is fairly flat. Fairly, it's more more akin to a live recording than a studio recording. It's so I. I that makes sense now in retrospect. It, it's yeah. definitely brick walled, for lack of a better term. I mean that that yeah, it, oh, it, it uses that to you know to to its advantage. I mean you know, but he basically said that the song the the song is really about his internal philosophy, and that people don't get life. You know, right? It's okay, but this this epitomizes the punk rock for sissies vibe that they were going for, as they as they called it. It's just loud. It's thought provoking, you know, and, and it's brilliant. And it, like I said, two two very very energetic songs to start the album. So we then do the second of Ben Vold style songs, which is the "I'm Gonna Make You Laugh," unironic, ironically, so to speak. And we're gonna move to Julianne. 
relatably to the yeah because i think this is it starts off basically from what i can gather uh a booty call yeah it's a drunken hookup a one night stand a drunk hookup whatever you want to call it but he starts off by saying that the that I met this girl. She looked like Axel Rose, <laughs> and the first time I heard that, I just laughed so hard. That that so that hard. made me want to listen to it more because, like, okay, where where's he going with this? And yeah, it's really, really. I mean, it's really, really good. And you know, it's silly in the sense of you know, it's it's arrangement, and it sounds very, very loose. It's it's jovial, yes. but yeah, it's 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 uh it's. I don't know. It, yeah, I think it is. It is a little loose. There's there's a lot of open o- open verse with the piano. Yeah, because I think he's trying to make it sound like things are crashing or falling. Well, th- that's he's doing a lot of cascading and stuff on the yeah, piano. Yeah, and and the sound effect with the trash bag full of beers, beer bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a little bit of uh, um, other stuff like that, but I mean, he absolutely just goes off on his piano on this one as well. Really every song, but especially this one. Yeah. I'm... Okay, so I'm looking at the wrong sheet. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm looking at my research. And, well, you know, it's about a guy who was riding a bus. And, uh... <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, it does have, it does have regrets and it sounds like it's a guy pining for his ex-girlfriend. I don't miss my ex-girlfriend. Look, I'm going to go out and sleep with a girl who looks like Axl Rose. I don't, I don't yeah. feel bad. I don't feel bad. She can't tell me what to, you know, and it's like, yeah, dude, you're not over her in the slightest and you're doing this for attention to try and make her jealous, but you're the one who's going to end up hurt at the end of it. Right. And she's not, she's probably not even going to notice. Yeah. I mean, and that's that, that kind of hit home hard. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I think we've all been there at one point or another. And I mean, in some form or fashion, but the, the best thing I love about this is the production of it because it's sound, it's controlled chaos for lack of a better term. Exactly. Yeah, that open verse I was mentioning. The, the the piano takes a lot of like it tries to add texture to the track a little bit, and it does a good job of it because it gives you the feel like things are falling or like crashing. You know, they did a good job on that. And it just it just feels messy. You know, it, and it's, yeah. it's it's produced perfectly because it's very good. Y- you know, it's not going to come out like really really messy mix or anything like that. But they mix it in a way where it sounds. If they'd have done it like if they were just half a beat off each other, I think it would have just added that little more to it, you know. Excuse me. Like a little tension. Yeah. It was like organized chaos. Yes. I mean, that's that's the best way I, I think I could describe, especially the the breakdown, the outro. There's free verse, there's a retard, there's a decrescendo, there's several uh musical mechanics going on right there. So yeah, they they really Gave it kind of the epic ending on Julianne, big time. Uh, like I think it's like ten seconds of him holding the knot, and it it yeah. But the but he's holding it and it's, it's flat because it's it's not his yeah. usual. You know, it's like Julianne kind of trails off a little bit. Smash of balls, you know. Um, yeah, I I I, I love it. I think it, I think I think this. The first three songs, I think, you know, have brought bring the tempo up really, really high and bring the energy up really high, and then it kind of chills chills out for the next song. Right? It's called "Where's Summer Bee." Now, I thought that it was it was kind of like an REM situation where the song "Swan Swan Hummingbird" wouldn't fit on the uh, on the back of the, the the vinyl, so they called it "Swan Swan H." Right? And I thought this was kind of yeah. the same thing, but no, it's actually "Summer Bee" is a friend of Ben Folds and Darren Jesse. So what they did is they wrote a song for her, 
and basically just talked about life. And I'm not talking about, like, you know... Stereophonics in the UK released a song in similar tone, right? Not in terms of, this is life, and this is, you know, uh, this is my life, and this is what's going on in my life. It's just basically the mundane... The 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 mundanity, if that's a word, you know, of just of sure. of just life, you know, I mean, like, okay, doesn't seem the same these days. Dave's been a mess since Cheryl left. Uh, Beth wears that stupid dress. There's there goes Joe Caprior again with Darren's girlfriend. They're asking where you been. Hey Summer, where you been? So it's 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 a song about nothing. I thought I thought he was talking about um the season. No, it, it's literally a, a, a lady called Summer that they knew. Okay, because Summer B, like, uh, I guess the nineties just ruined me because, like, I'm just imagining the dude from How High, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, not How High, the other, the other, uh, uh, half baked with Chappelle with Summer B. Yeah, with Summer B. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, no, I thought I thought that too. I thought it was just like you know a lazy song about you know that that. that the summer was shite and they're just lamenting hey where's summer been you know he wasn't yeah, here this yeah, year like yeah exactly but yeah that's in, that's actually interesting but i mean like i guess the b should have been the tip off yeah. but he doesn't say summer b in the song from what no, i know he's just said hey summer where you been you know yeah exactly um now your phone's disconnected your shit's out on the lawn the hardback cafe closed down now we got office town you you, you should have stuck around it's just this this is the small little crappy town that we lived in and this is what's happened since you've been gone now you're back or like somebody went and made it big yeah like they got a big job and they moved to the big city like they moved to you know charlotte and they live <laughs> an executive high rise or something you know, I don't they know. live in an exec. They live in an executive trailer. Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Toilet one on there the you house. Go. You know, so like, you know, our wine comes out of a bottle now, not out of a box. You know, it's it's you know, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's very very it's very lazy and relaxing as well. There's none of that high energy that's in the first three songs. It's it's chill, and I think they did a good job of like the first three or pretty intense and they they're pretty up so to have that kind of palate cleanser fourth track yeah um i think that was a very very good choice and i i think it pairs well with the next song i too. think at the beginning of this song though there's a production error i, I just think it, it just sounds like it is because the bass and the piano start at like kind of slightly different times in that first four you know that first four measures and yeah. it just sounds like it's either a mistake or the original started with either the bass or the piano playing that little bit first, and then the other one joined in. So this one kind of sounds like they did. They put a take in there that they they both started. They were both supposed to start at the same time, and one of them was just offbeat at the beginning. Okay, I'll have to give that a better listen. I don't think I've ever noticed that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I don't know why I noticed that more than anything, but I mean, you know. Um, but yeah, the next song is. I guess it's the first serious song of the album the first ballad of the album uh it's called alice yeah it's called alice childress um it's also the longest uh one no, almost the longest song in the album after philosophy yeah. so it's one of the longest ones on the album so it would make sense that a serious one okay as now that i'm looking at it all the silly ones are real short yeah so if it's short it's probably going to be silly sports and wine is short uncle walter is short best imitation myself yeah so i mean uh, so this one's going to be serious because it's over four yeah, minutes. And, <laughs> right? And I mean, it's... Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, what's the word I'm, it's soundtrack-esque, right? It's like, it's another one of those albums that listens like a good book yeah. reads. I mean, it, like, each one's like an episode, if you will. Yeah, it's it sounds like it should be in a romantic comedy somewhere. Like, you know, the, the music over the montage in the just before the third act where the, the couple have gone apart and they're, you know, they're, they're lamenting. It's the quiet bit where they're reflecting and there's music playing in the background. There's something for, yeah, every mood, every situation. Yeah, yeah um, they're, they're out shopping with sports and wines playing in right. the background. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, like, like I love I loved this 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 thing. And when I was doing the research for this, this uh, I literally finished the research yesterday. Because um, I, I had a lot of this down, but I didn't have all of it down. And this one was the hardest one to find information from. But I finally found it, right? And this is probably the most serious on the album, right? With uh, Maybe boxing is more serious, but this is definitely one of the one of the three that are the most serious right and this actually came from a fun place believe it or not um i've mentioned anna goodman a couple of times uh anna goodman is or was ben fold's first wife now i say first because he's been married four times um and hey there's nothing wrong with that if you're not compatible it's best to you know to to get it over with right uh and she was a songwriter, like he was, and, you know, she worked with him at the cafe and running those shows and stuff like that. Well, one night, they hosted um, their equivalent of a Bad Hemingway competition. So, you know what a, do you know what a Bad Hemingway competition is? Can't say I do. Bad Hemingway is one of those things where um, you write poetry or, like, a short story in the style of Hemingway, but it is purposely terrible. So it's, okay. it's a bad imitation of, of, of himself, so to speak, right? And so Anna Goldman wrote a Ben Fold-style song, and it, it, it was really bad. And, well, not it was really bad, but, I mean, it was supposed to be really, really bad. And Ben Folds loved it. He, he, he was moved by it. He thought, you know, oh, that's so sweet. She decided to make fun of me writing a song. So he decided to, you know, write music to it, which is the, the music that we hear in, in the song. Unfortunately, he, being Ben Folds, rewrote about 80% of the lyrics line by line. So he went through this huh. entire thing line by line, and it kind of became the, uh, the the subject of the song, because he said, quote, that was between a couple at a distance. Why they're splitting up? Because they, like, continuously have different ideas about the way life works. Yeah, it's kind of a sad one. When you really analyze the lyrics, yeah, it's 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 a sad. And he's, one. I mean, he's rewriting his wife's lyrics that she wrote for him out of you know out of fun, and like this, just you know, I I love I love this song. It's you know, the only bit that I don't understand is the arranged marriage part. You know, I just yeah, that's that's an interesting line. I'm looking at it now. Um, I wonder what that's in reference to specifically. Yeah, because I don't think he he and his wife were in arranged marriage. You know. <laughs> You know, one of the things, I love that last verse because it's so descriptive. Like, you can picture what's happening. You know, uh, thank God it's you. You know, your timing is impeccable. I'm not fooling you. I just don't know what to do. Some dude just knocked me cold and left me on the sidewalk, took everything I had. You know, so you can picture him being mugged. (laughs) Well, and that, I don't know, maybe stereotypical, but uh, that kind of reminds me of Manhattan, like the big city, like a place where you would get mugged like that. So, um, also Brick kind of reminds me of Manhattan for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. Well, see, and see, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, I mean, 
uh, Ben Folds and Anna Goodman did divorce long before this album was written, but a lot of the songs that they wrote together do show up on this album. So, you know, it's it's really, really interesting, interesting dynamic that they had, you know, especially considering that, you know, it it's it's meant to be a love song, but not a love song. It's meant to be a tribute, but not a tribute. And in the end, it comes out as, see, this is what I was talking about. You, you. I think it kind of represents what he was going for was kind of like to represent that mood, if you will, that mood of like, it's just not working. Because, yeah, I mean, a deeper look in the lyrics, I mean, you might as well just call this anime. <laughs> you know now, I mean? for, for those wondering, it does not have any relation to the playwright Alice Chalras. Uh, <laughs> okay. I just don't know why, why it was called that. But then again, Ben Folds always gives a lot of his songs female names, like Summer, Kate, uh, Julianne, uh, on his... D- Video, yep. Uncle Walter. <laughs> no, on his, on his first solo <laughs> album, there was Lisa and, and Annie... And Sarah, you know, so he, he, he does tend to put a lot of female in his thing. Um, next song is Underground. And I... I was never cool in school. I'm sure you don't remember me. I remember when I first heard that, I was like, <laughs> I was like blown away. I was like, what? I thought the, the, the radio DJ was... Uh, Mess up with you. Having a fun time with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first time I heard Underground, right, I didn't actually hear this version. I heard this version second out of the, the things. There's a version of it on the B-Sides album called Naked Baby Photos, and they're playing it live, right? So, you know, he's he's doing the licks on the piano, you know, just, just messing around. And then it starts. I was never cool in school. I'm sure you don't remember me. And then all of a sudden, all you can hear off camera is, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so they just, you can see the, ba- you could you could hear the band laughing. And like, you know, so like, they don't know when to carry on. It's like, okay. And now it's been 10 years. I'm still wondering who to be. And the guy in the audience goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed so, it. so like the first time I heard this when he said I was never cool at school, I'm sure you don't remember me, and then it went straight into the next part. The only thing I could think of in my head was who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I love uh, this song. I I really do. It's it's epic. Um the first time I that I heard it, I was in that situation I was yep. telling you about. There was on that radio program. Uh, it it was another one of those songs when I first heard it, it like I got out of bed and started jumping around because yeah. it was just so awesome, just so different, so good. And, and it is different. I mean, it, not just it's structurally it's different. It's like three different songs at once. Um, you know, yeah, you got uh, the narration at the very the very beginning. It's not necessarily singing, but it's not talking either. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little bit of both. It was kind of it to me. It's more of like a cry. Yeah, like like a I don't I know. Mean, like, I just, I just, lo- just calling out an exasperation, like somebody doing a soliloquy or like a solo. Like song. I love the bit of you know, hand me my nose ring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like show me the mask. Yep, I mean it's just yeah. you know, it's so funny. It, it's really, really good, and I love the fact that they got their own mo- that the 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 that uh, Darren Jesse and Rob Sledge got a moment to, for lack of a better moment to shine, you know, because it it showed what they could do too. Um, in live in live yep. versions, you know, it's it's really really cool watching them do it. I posted one last night that was really really you know shows them how they did it. Like 
he'll walk out he walk out from behind the drum kit share the microphone then walk back behind the drum kit because if huh. he's behind the drum kit doing the, the the lead vocal you can't see it you know so yeah. i mean um the the song has got a lot of falsetto chanting for lack of a better term i know it kind of a yeah like uh was like 50s doo-wop yeah backup vocals kind of or you know who's got the looks who's got the brains who's got everything uh, yeah yeah that bgs kind of yeah maybe a little disco a little funk but yeah um totally totally different approach i mean you're looking at four or five different styles going on at one time i mean because i mean he's basically he's basically for lack of a better description he's like a ragtime piano player i mean that's he plays just like a ragtime piano player so there's like ragtime, jazz, pop, rock, and something else that I can't think of. Right, but you know, it's just they're just that kind of band, and it's fully on display on underground yeah. uh, for sure. And not, not only that, right? The imagery that they talk about in the song, I mean, you know, you can easily picture it. You know, it's it's talking about subcultures. It's talking about how subcultures are great in an ironic way, right? It's about people. It's about right. people who have cooler hair and decide someone else doesn't fit in. They're just like really, really insecure. You know, um, there's 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 a brilliant reference to the Wizard of Oz. If you know, if nothing else, right? You know, in the first bit, it goes, "I click my heels, and I'm there." And what they do, and what what they do is like they yep. they rim the drum. You know, they do the "I click my heels," and you know, and I thought that was I thought that was yeah. a brilliant touch, subtle, but you know, without yeah. it, it would sound okay. Why have you paused? You know, um, yeah, I I love this song. I I think that it's the way the bass goes in this one too. I mean, just that whole it the, the transition. It's telling its own yeah, it's telling its own story the entire time. It's it's its own lead part, which I really really appreciate. Bass players don't really get much attention like that. And then the last thirty seconds, a jazz song breaks out. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it, it it and it's literally. Uh, like lounge or piano jazz, like it's standard jazz and very, very well done. And the weird part about all three of these elements, right? The, the bit at the beginning, the Rocky song in the middle and the jazz bit at the end, it makes the song. You can't take any of those out yeah, because it would dilute the song. Totally. You know, because, because okay, it's, it's like, okay, the song's called Underground. It's about... It's half mocking, half praising subcultures and, you know, underground whatever. So the thing about underground stuff is it's alternative or different to what it is. So, yeah, let's add jazz to this rock song. You know? it, it It's... It's the embodiment of the whole idea of having a subculture. is Because subcultures in the 90s were, like, you know, ska, which was a hybrid of punk and um, reggae. And then you had hardcore, which was a little bit of punk, a little bit of metal... So, in in a sense, that's kind of encompassing the whole idea of underground was merging styles, create your own style, or playing multiple styles. But more, you know, more than that, I mean, they really are highlighting um, how people can find brotherhood or solace in that sort of arrangement. I remember being a kid. And there was a there was a little club that was just outside of downtown in Tucson called Scrappies, with a K S K R A P P Y S. Uh, it was actually 
up until just a couple years ago, they'd moved locations a couple times. But I mean, this was a youth club that was aimed at giving the kids a place to, to be without drugs, without alcohol. You know, they had pool tables, snacks, there was bands. I mean, your band could get a gig there. Um, I saw Hatebreed there one time. Uh, like serious, serious bands. No FX played there one time. I mean, uh, uh, Suicidal Tendencies. So, I mean, it was a good little venue. So, I I know how much pleasure that it brought me to have a place that me and my friends could go and feel like that we actually fit in. It's a place that we knew we could be ourselves and not be judged or condemned, etc. So I think underground in that is sort of embodying that idea that that subculture that we had in the nineties that was so burgeoning and just so, you know, precious, you know, it's, if you get something like that, you got to hang on to as long as possible. I mean, he, Ben Folds literally saying it in, in his first lines of the song. He loved to mix in circles, clicks and social coteries. Yep. That's, that's, that that's really that's what anyone nice. wants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I love this song. This is probably my top three Ben Folds songs, written songs ever. I, I love yeah. it. I, I Like, I, I, this song has appeared in my dreams. It's a great tune. I can remember, you know? It's a great, great tune. So um, we come to what I think is the worst song on the album. Really? But that shows you how good the album is. Okay. Uh, it's a song called Sports and Wine. Um, I love the opening with the bass line at the beginning. Yeah. But it's it always seemed to me just a little bit mean-spirited yeah i could see that i mean okay all the other songs that have and i mean we'll get to uncle walter here in a minute but like all the other songs that are having you know that are making fun and mocking and being you know winking a nod and you know uh, being critical without coming out and criticizing yeah they seem to have a little bit of you know winking a nudge hey hey you know we're just we're just having a little bit of a laugh you know ha 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 a bit of banter yeah this one just seems mean (laughs) <laughs> I, I I could see that, but I, when I when I read like what it's supposed to kind of encompass, I think yeah, I think basically it's a shot at toxic masculinity. Be, yeah, before we In had a, a lot before of ways, we had a phrase for it. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't. I don't think there was a that was really coined or used back then. But um, the song, the what I got here is the song is a snide dismissal of a quote man's man end quote who attempts to put up the pretense of being sensitive so that he can appeal more to the opposite sex. And I think that would be highlighted by the line, my oh my, we're all impressed with how sensitive you are. And he kind of says it in a kind of a mockingly sing-songy kind of way. Like he's, it's another, it's another line that he's, he starts singing it, but he kind of talks it in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um, sort of yeah. like, I don't know. It, it comes through very, very clearly. But I mean, I could see how, like, from the from the outsider's perspective, that this guy is just it's sour grapes, or he's just being a hole, whatever you want to call it. But I really think it's it was him thinking ahead, you know, being a forward thinking person and and recognizing that there's certain types of masculinity that are toxic. It it definitely challenged uh, adult uh, gender stereotypes. Because Definitely. literally, the, the literally the chorus and the title of the song is about the two things that are stereotypically attached to the genders of, of adults. For guys, it's sports. For women, it's wine. Right, right. And and it's a bad stereotype. Although I will say that you know I, I've, I've referred to them as wine o'clock memes. Right. You know, it's like you know what time is it? Oh, it's time for for some wine. You know, 
Right. And like only, you know, you hear in uh, in football Twitter and football social media all the time, you know, why is this woman telling me what to do, man? You know, you don't know anything. There's a line in here that that that, that now, you, you know, now that you've phrased it that way, now I can kind of see. It's like, you know, um, the girls don't understand. No, no. Hang on. Wait a minute. That's not it. It's uh, the girls don't understand anything you say. And I don't understand it either. So that's right. kind of. That's kind of, you know, his way of saying, oh, you, oh, you're trying to be a men's man and you're talking about stuff. I don't know what this kind of stuff. So you're going to assume that I'm gay because of it. Right. It's, it's, it's more insecurity from yeah. the man's man, I would think kind of pretty, because there, I, I grew up, um, you know, you know, we, we, you and I both, uh, in, in kind of a weird time, like, um, sexuality was being more accepted, Fl- starting, yeah. starting to be, you know, um, but in the '90s, like people liked to to use the slur "gay" all the time. Yeah, you know, so it kind of it kind of had a twisted meaning there for a while. Like it meant yeah. like lame or dumb, which I don't well, condone but, at all. At that all, that shit's gay, man. Yeah, it, it is yeah. in passing. Just like it's it's dumb. We don't like it. But um, yeah, may, I, I'm thinking you know just because of the timeline. Maybe there was some credence to that, but I, I more or less think it's another it's another poke at um, what people think a man is supposed to be. And a woman's supposed to be. Right. Like, we were supposed to fit in these two perfectly little perfect boxes, and I think now I, we we, know, we realize it's not that simple. Yeah, I don't like sports, albeit, so what does that make me? I don't understand what the heck you're talking about. You know, it's... No, it's, I yeah. mean, you, you can... I mean, like, you can be... I what my takeaway is it's possible to be a man and not be toxic. You can be manly, yeah, without being a toxic person. Well, there's um there's a story going on right. Uh, there was a professional wrestler called uh, Stephen Regal, and he came to WWE back in 1998, and he was doing a character of a real man's man. He was a, a lumberjack who shaved with a straight razor. I was gonna say Paul Bunyan, just yeah, top top of my head. Squeezed his own orange juice, big old you know, beard, blah blah blah. blah. No, 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 not, not the beard, but I mean, like no, you know, okay. squeezes, squeezes own thing. He he worked construction. He was a man's man, gotcha. and the payoff of that story was the character was supposed to be gay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so to kind of you know, kind of see the guy who wrote it was probably thinking, okay, this guy will get mocked and hated because of this, ha 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 ha. But I think it would have had the opposite effect because it would have shown some positivity. You know, like well, I'm you- a real. I'm yeah. a real guy. We I'd don't kick have your to be hey, right, and you don't have to be hetero to be a manly man. Yes, you don't. Like no, I know, I I know gay men who are extremely manly. You know, like I mean, so uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of challenging those um, those facades, if you will. That you have to. It's if you're a woman, you have to be a girly girl. If you're a man, you have to be a manly man. And yeah. if and if you're not a manly man then you're probably gay. Like, that's yeah. just, that's that, that's, just that, shallow yeah. and pedantic. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, here's the thing. I'm, 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 I'm we're going to hop on to Uncle Walter here in a second. Pardon oh, the pun. Oh, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> you heard how describe um, that guy? Jeez. <laughs> but um, in Newcastle, England, Newcastle is a very, very tough city, right? It's a very, very friendly city, but the guys are tough, right? They'll go to soccer games in minus three degrees Celsius weather, Wearing nothing but a string Swing, vest. Swinging their shirt in the air. Yeah. Like yeah. going, you know, man, it's it's hot in here today. Well, that's got Britain's largest population of, of bears. 
Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's because you, because Newcastle is a tough city to begin with. So why not? So the bears (laughs) don't even mess around. Gotcha. Yeah. So, all right, we're going on to Uncle Walter and I love this song. I, I, this last year, especially this last three, this last four years, especially Uncle Walter has come to life and <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was gonna... it's, it's, oh uh... my word. Um, okay. This is kind of, this is a story of like, everybody's got an uncle. That crazy, loud, possibly conspiracy, racist. Yeah. Conspiracy theorist, just Fox News watching, Breitbart listening, Infowars buying are just idiot i'm sorry it's it's it 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 is you know somebody who's 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 out of touch of reality but god damn it i'm gonna tell you my way of doing things yeah and this is how it should be um the whole hook of the chorus of this song is like the the narrator's friends have been stuck with uncle walter for a while and they're like where have you been how could you you leave me here so long with uncle walter yeah um it's just, he told me everything he'd do if he were president. Oh, God. But he's not! Oh, God. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, but, like, I love, the, I love the imagery that he wrote into the song. I mean, just like, um, you know, never mind the voice of 50 years experience, he's drunk watching the television, right? Ha, 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 right? It's, but, like, you know, he's been around the world. Last night he flew to Baghdad in his magical armchair with cigarettes and a six-pack. <laughs> just spits flying can, everywhere you can just picture the dude sitting in his reclining chair with a beer in his hand talking about how how messed up the world is according to him because you know we had a black couple on tv or you yeah. know we we did da- we dared showed positivity in the world you know um second like the second verse but he and the conspiracy theory you know uh your uncle walter show who f- saw who fired the shots he drove his chair in the cavalcade the Kennedy yeah. thing, you know, I just, I, I, I love it. The, the chair becomes its own character. Yeah. You know, and if you've seen the video to this song, he literally chases the band around on a reclining chair that's motorized while they okay, run, they use razor scooters. I was unaware there was a video. I'll watch it as soon as we get done. <laughs> uh, I actually have a cool little blurb I want to read real quick. Go ahead. Uh, ben Folds has stated... Uh, this song was actually based on a woman, the mother yeah. of a guy played in the garage in a garage band with, and she was a total absolute drunk. Yeah, they they'd leave to go get a quart of be- or or beer or something. I was fourteen, and she trapped me in the corner and just talk, talk, talk. If I was president. I would have done this. And she's dead <laughs> now because she was washing her hair in the bathtub, and the bathtub was filling up, and she hit her head on the faucet, and she passed Ooh. out into the tub and drowned. The Uncle Walter uh, I actually have is a very nice guy. <laughs> so I guess they they took a little poetic license and made that woman's story in homage to his very nice guy, uh, Uncle Walter. It's it's like it's like the opposite the, the the two sides of the same coin, you know. He wanted to give his uncle credit because um, he's he said he was he was a really good uncle, but uh, he he ended up kind of framing out to be kind of an a hole. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm immo- I'm immortalizing you, uncle, by making you sound like an utter twat. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've been stuck with an uncle Walter before. Um, there's uh, one of, one of my dad's friends a long time ago, right around when I was driving age. He kept trying to sell me his truck. 
You like that truck? You want to buy that truck, boy? I tell you what you do, boy. And he just kept on telling me that over and I was like, dude, calm down. Well, well let, let, let me tell you a story about my, my, my Uncle Walter. And I'm not going to use any names, but it's going to be one of six people. And if they're listening to this, they can figure out which one of the six that they are. Actually, sorry, it'd be one of five people now. If because, the shoe fits, where is it? Right? Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Um... Like a lot of things about Uncle Ro- Wal- the Uncle Walters of the world, you know, it's mainly bigotry and anger, and things weren't the same as they were in my day. God damn it! Right. So, uh, the Uncle Walter in question that I'm talking about is anti-immigration, right? In 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 the UK. Now, for those of you who don't listen, I don't want to get too far of a socio-political rant, but this 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 is worth it. Uh, they are against the free movement of people in the European Union. And part of that is because people are coming in from Eastern Europe and doing the jobs that British people hate doing. So, like, your builders, your plumbers, your, you know, without without trying to be, you know, wrong over here, it's, it's kind of the same stuff that uh, the, stereoty- the stereotypical people over here think that uh, Latin Americans do when they cross the border illegally and so on and so forth, right? Just the right. jobs that we don't want to do. The and jobs they, that keep America running. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so they, <laughs> they, they dislike all these Eastern Europeans. They're taking good British jobs. They get in, you know, they, they're doing this and they're doing that. Right now, rewind 40 years, maybe to the, maybe, maybe to the late eighties, early nineties. Right. Those jobs in the UK were more or less done by Irish people. Right. I mean, right. for example, for example, there was a joke that a cement mixer was called the Irish dryer. <laughs> you know so they were like a by, boxer right so they were so they were done by they were done pretty much by irish people right now they hate immigrants for coming to this country taking all the jobs from british people they are all first generation welsh their parents came from ireland right right so they are literally banging on about these immigrants bringing their families over here when they're the same fucking people yeah <laughs> They're literally ragging against themselves, and they don't see the irony of it. That yeah. is an un- uh, that is an Uncle Walter. Yep, yep. Uh, I-, I wonder if his wife's name's Karen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my word! True but, um, marital bliss. Yeah. So, so if any one of my uh, aunts and uncles are watching this, and and that fits you, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Dad, if you're listening to this. Come on. Uh, right. <laughs> right. So, so let's step away from more controversial topics. Um, this is We're going to talk about, in my opinion, my favorite Ben Fold song. Um, best imitation of myself. Good lyrics in this one. Lots Definitely. of quote, quotables in this one. Yeah. Um, this is what Ben Fold's called his retrospective. So his like greatest hits from both the band and from his solo stuff. He called it the best imitation of myself. Ben Fold's the best imitation of myself. Um, the fans of Ben Fold's and Ben Fold's Five think that this song is um, a perception song, right? The best imitation of myself, meaning that I'm doing the best that I can to be myself for what you think that I am. I heard that it has something to do with him, like meeting requirements for his album. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get I think to that you, here. I think you might. I think you might have told me that actually. Yeah, yeah, a while ago. But yeah, okay. But it's kind of like you know, everybody has a picture in their head of how everyone should be, and it's about measuring up to you measuring up to what you think somebody else thinks you are. 
your looking glass self, how you yeah. think other people think you are. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm, what I'm, they think I'm, of you. I'm trying to impress you by not being myself, but being what you think I am. Uh, the, the mask, the social yes. mask, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, 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 it does sound that way. And when you read it, you know, it, it could be like that, you know, but as, as, as you mentioned a minute ago, this is, I'm going to talk about another song as well. When we talk about this, not on this album, but it was written around about the same time. Um, it was, it was about, okay. One headlight by, um, by the wallflowers I mentioned this yeah. earlier, one headlight. That is not like a, a deep dark song. That is literally them, their plea to their record label. Like we, we're working with our headlight. We need your headlight, you know, the headlight being, you know, we got two branches to this. We're doing our part. We need help. Come on, try a little, you know? Yeah. Okay. So it, it's, they, so it's they plea to their record label. This is kind of the opposite, right? Ben Folds, before he formed the band, as I mentioned earlier, he had a, a publishing deal and he had to write like 30 songs in three years, right? Something like that. And he, as mentioned, he was, you know, fucking around in Nashville, not doing everything that he did. And he actually said in a video, not in a video, in a uh, live gig, that um, the reason he wasn't doing his job is because of a little thing called integrity, right? He's got this personal pride where he can't write, he can write bad music, but he's not putting his name to it and getting it you know, published or anything like that. So it's come to the end of his contract and he finds out that he has more songs to write, you know, look, we let your contracts expire and you got like a month to write uh, 4.6 songs. That's important. Um, so, you know, he, he writes, t- he writes, he writes all 4.6 songs and two of them, I'm t- one of them we're talking about now and I'm going to talk about the other one here in a minute because it's actually a fascinating story too. So, you know, he's th- th- in this song with lyrics like, you know, so you think I should take a class to lose my Southern accent? So that I can be an imitation to you. So I can be what you, you know, I can be for you what you want me to be, you know. Um, so, you know, he, he, he sarcasms it up. Again, it makes it sound like he's talking about his penis, like uh, theories about his little stage, um, you know. And at this point, he's at the, at the middle. He's like, you know, I'm going to straighten up, uh, straighten up. It's time to go to fool somebody else. Meaning that when we're done here, I'll just go take my talents elsewhere and show that you know i'll show you kind of deal right so he so that's what this song's about and he wrote another song called one down uh right about the same time right and as i mentioned he he had 4.6 songs to write in a, like a, a month period or week period or something the reason it's 4.6 is because he had like a quarter he, he, he collaborated with someone and got a quarter credit or four a point four credit to his songwriting deal so you know he um he talks about his professionalism and like one of the lyrics is um hang on I'll pull it up because it's it's a real fascinating lyric. But um hang on, sorry. Give me just a second, everybody. I didn't have this one pulled up. I should have had it pulled up. But um it says um Here we go. It says, people tell me, Ben, just make some junk and turn it in. But I was never all right with turning in a bunch of shit. I don't like wasting time on music that won't make me proud. But now I find a reason to sit right down and shit some out. So he was so angry at receiving that notification. Hey, you've got to do this. He just banged it out. He just Just like swallowed his pride. and, And like the way he wrote it was, you told me I had to write something. I'm writing something. 
I didn't write stuff because I can't write bad music and give it to you because it goes against my personal principle. And the thing I love about it is the middle bridge, right, of that song. It goes, I love you more than any man has loved before. I love you more than all the stars up in the sky. I think that we should settle down and live happily ever after. Okay, what do you think of that? You know, it's kind of like a, you want me yeah. to write something? Fine. This is what I'm writing. Fuck you. You know? Yeah, exactly. And And it's re it's really really good you know and it's got it's got a great line in there that says i'm really not complaining i realize it's just a job and i hit here and belly and rockstars wine and sob because i could be bussing tables i could well be pumping gas but i get paid much finer for playing piano and kissing your ass you know true that true that so so he wrote that and then he wrote best imitation of myself as part of that because again it's another one of you know if this is what you want me to be i'll be it but I'm 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 gonna do things my way, and if you don't like it, I'm gone. And like I said, I, I love it. I love the imagery. I think it's it's a fantastic song. Um, it goes through the the whole Ben Folds music spectrum of being sarcastic, ow, of being sarcastic, serious. All the emotions, all the moods. Yeah, are there, yeah. It's, so a, got, it's a complete song. So you've got a little bit of jazzy stuff in there, you know. And it's got the, the 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 harmonies in there. It's really really good. If you haven't listened, if if you haven't listened to any Ben Folds, go listen to Best Imitation of Myself. And That's a good one. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, the next song, I I couldn't find too much about this song. Usually, I skip this one. It's called Video, and it's not. It it's it's very very. The word I can use is generic. Hmm. Yeah, this is kind of a sadder one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. Know, maybe you want to keep this one kind of mysterious because uh, there's not that much out there on it that I could find, and you know, it's one of those. It's a sad song, but sung in an upbeat kind of way. He's slamming the door like it's something to strive for. That 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 line always resonated with me for some reason. I mean, like about having a misplaced anger. Yeah, this like this is something def- to strive for. This is definitely this is definitely a um, a soundtrack song, as I call it. You know, it's definitely one that um, that you could hear on, like you know, it, it, on a movie somewhere or a TV show. It's just, I don't know. This one, this one, I'll be completely honest. This one doesn't do anything for me at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's not to me. It's one of my lesser favorites, but I still like it. And it's it's. It's it's maybe all right. When, maybe when compared to like Jackson Cannery and yeah. um, you know you know uh, Julianne, a few of the other ones. Yeah, it's kind of lackluster. But this would mean a good B side, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, next track is we we just yeah that's that's all we can say about video because it's it's just video. You know, um, next track is called the Last Poker, and I love this song. I really do. Um, the first time I heard this song was on his live album, and uh, it was just him and a piano, and again, you know, he just completely tears it up. But, I mean, this is a very, very aggressive song for Ben Folds, you know? I mean, we mentioned this in the R.E.M. episode, it's 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 aggressive compared to the rest of the album, more aggressive stuff that they've normally done. Yeah, I, I think this one's, I don't know, it shows a lot of strength. Yeah. Like, renewal, like, moving forward, and, uh... Um, the kindest truths are often spoken, never heard, 
like another one of those quotable lines. And uh, yeah. uh, you've been pushing me like I was a sore tooth. I think that's like the outro. Yeah. Uh, well, they do like a, well, it's like a coda or a bridge or something. And then yeah. it goes back into the chorus one last time. I really like that line too. Some good lines in this one. It does have a hurtful line in there, you know, because like th- this is all coming from her perspective so far until that last line. You know, because like yeah. if she, if he really loved me, he wouldn't have to. If 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 she really loved me, she wouldn't have to be so mean. You know, um, the cruelest lies are often trolled. Blah blah blah. And then like she goes, you know, like I said, you push like a so tooth. Blah 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 blah. And then he goes, you know what? I hate that it's come to this, but baby, I was doing fine. How do you think that I survived the other twenty five before you? Yeah, that that was his. You've pushed me and pushed me. Like you know what? F- fuck it. I was doing well before you came along. I'll do well after you leave. Don't worry about it. You know? Yeah, I could see how that's like from the from her perspective how that could seem kind of mean, but for like we don't know his prerogative necessarily, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it's it is unfortunate that it's come to that, but I think it's a pertinent topic. I know a lot of people deal with separation, divorce, breakups. I mean, it's a pretty common occurrence. Most most marriages end in divorce. Um, Sadly, so, yes, I mean, but uh, you know. I mean, one of the things I do like about it is, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, it, it is definitely the argument. And it's not like, um, okay, when when I looked over Blue's uh, Park Life earlier on in the season, um, there's a song in there called To The End. And it's a breakup song, but it's an amicable breakup in the sense that, you know, the, the, the couple in the story of the song, they kind of know that this is this is it. It's done. It's over with, you know. Yeah. Whereas this is like the final argument, you know. This yeah. is the, this is the withdrawing things at each other, and we're never getting back together. You Just know, the end it all out, getting it, yeah. getting it out there, burning the bridges, etc. You know, the end is growing near. We're trading water now and holding back the tears, and the day is rising. We're sinking. Yeah, you know, it's it's done. It's over with. But you know what? We're gonna get this last bit of aggression out. And then go our separate ways because I'm going to tell you everything about you that you don't know, and you're going to tell me everything about me that I don't know. And a then we're done. Post mortem, so yeah, takes take something with you so you can maybe learn from it. And you know the fact that it was written by both Ben Folds and Anna Goodman lends more weight to that that topic because again they divorced before this was this album was released. That could have been their, you know, whatever it's, whatever you want to call it, their personal sort yeah. of anecdote to that. Who knows? And it is very, very awkward to listen to. It kind of, it's written in, a, it's written and presented in a way where it's like you were watching the argument happen. So yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's like you feel it adds a layer of emotion to it. I love the bass playing on this. I really do. Yeah. Because it goes one, two, three, one, two, three, two, three, the whole way through it, you know, and it just like, it, it keeps you keeps you pumped in there kind of the, pulses it in there yeah the drumming is really really loud and aggressive with the piano being slapped around you know it's it's a really really good song um it's a little awkward to listen to because of you know the subject matter but no it's 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 good i like it i i, I, yeah, I, good, I really think it's a good song good musicianship um they they kind of taper down a little bit at, at the end of the album yeah um they, they saved most of the energy um for the beginning of the album, I feel like, yeah, because uh, uh, best imitation myself on it kind of s- starts to taper off a little bit, and I think it kind of comes to a head at boxing. I mean, they really, yeah. it's kind of like their epic ending, if you will. Every time I hear boxing, I, I think of winter. 
you know, it just it it like you can picture walking down the street with with snow under your feet, you know. This whole album kind of makes me think about New York for some reason. Yeah, I just I just always assumed that they were from New York. I don't I don't I don't know why. Um, just- well, re- remember he spent like four years in New York before the they they formed the band. So a lot of the songwriting, you know, would have been happened. done. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, because a lot, because a lot of bands' first albums are like you know they've written like about three hundred songs and maybe ten of them have stuck. So this is the first album. Yeah, and they the the music's like four years old or f- excuse me or five years old. But I mean, uh, this is very very unusual because like we mentioned the orchestra orchestral element in it earlier, and yeah. I th- I think that you know. It was done really, really well. It's it's definitely a, mo- a more modest song than everything else on the album, because even 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 video is bombastic and swaggerish, you know. I mean, it's it's a big song, even though it's not fast. I mean, it's it moves. It's got some pretty heavy uh, lines in it as well. Yep. Um, talking about dreams and you know what could have been. And um, apparently, this this is there's not too much um, subtext in this one. Um, apparently, it was about literally boxing. Yeah, from um, what I what I could get from from what I found out, this is uh, this is from from Ben Folds. He said uh, it kind of came to see my father's romantic fascination with boxing. All the people all over the house just to watch Muhammad Ali fight. And I was like four or five years old. You know he'd quit, and then he'd come back, and then he'd quit, and he'd come back. So it's like, it's a quitting song. It's about quitting and not quitting. And it's kind of like told as a story, you know, it's a fake interview between Muhammad Ali and, and some guy called Howard. I can't, I, I, I had the name written down, but for some reason it's not written Howard down anymore. Howard Cosell, one of the most famous... Uh uh sports journalists and authors of all time he was a uh was it almost 30 years he was with abc sports yeah he talks like this he's the guy who talks like this uh that's gotta hurt there bob uh you've heard you've heard him like whether you know it or not if you've been alive in the 80s or 90s you know you've heard howard cosell you've or or earlier you've heard him you've heard him you just don't know you have maybe and i mean it's very very it's a very very you know finality to it i mean it's a great way to end the album it kind of you know after after philosophy can't not philosophy excuse me after the last poker wore you out this kind of you know this is taking the arm around you and saying okay this is you know boxing's been good to me boxing's been good to you whatever and it just kind of mellows you out relaxes you like like i mentioned earlier georgia on my mind vibe to it you know just I, I like it. It's definitely an outlier, not in the way Underground's an outlier, but this is definitely an outlier, and I think it's the best way they could have ended this album. Like, cause if they did, three, it's in three four as well. So yeah, definitely waltzy. So it, I don't know, I don't, I can't remember if the cor- the verses, but I know the choruses. It's either in six eight or three four. I haven't really tapped it out, but I believe it's in uh, three four. Yeah. So that's that's a deviation from everything else, which is either going to be in uh, common time four four or cut time two four. Um, or you know halftime four four or whatever. Yeah. But they don't they don't really do the waltz. Um, they they usually do like a swing. Yeah. Um, like kind of a lazy ride to kind of give it a little body, if you will. But on this one, yeah, they they go into three four in the chorus, and it gives it kind of a it gives it a classic feel. I think it's it's yeah. period correct. It's it's um, really classy. 
Yeah, and they're trying to take you back to like when this happened because this is supposed to be kind of like a um, from the from the perspective of Muhammad Ali. Yep. Um, basically, him having a, a conversation with Howard Cosell, who covered literally every boxing match professionally that he did. Um, so, I think it fits the the instrumentation lends itself to the imagery of that era well. Yeah. Um, the waltz timing, the uh, string section, that kind of thing. Um, vo- vocals have like a little more of a reverb on them, more of like a room reverb, kind of like they used to use back then. Yeah, it t- definitely takes you back a little bit. And now, and now that I know that, like literally what it's about, I, I always thought it had something to do with Boxing Day in Canada. I, I have no idea why. <laughs> I just all these themes of being up north. I just assumed that it had something to do with. Uh, our our uh, our hat, our friends of the north. Well, see, the other thing about this too is that, um, like in every other song, even if it's tried to be serious, there's always been a little bit of wink and a nod and a little bit of banter to it. This one is completely straight laced. yeah, like just like uh, brick. Yeah, there's no. Uh, fun- I know I keep I don't keep bringing that one, but but is it? But I think a lot of most people are gonna know that song, whether they're a huge fan or not. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, uh, this one is stone cold to the bone serious definitely yeah there's no there's no there's no fuzz bass there's no funny lyrics there's no falsetto three-part harmony it's just music it sounds like yeah it sounds like a song that needs to be conducted yes you know what i mean like yeah you know, like you would have for an orchestra or a symphony it sounds like there's a, and i say that because like if you're not familiar with a lot of music terms in this song there's a lot of um retards which is basically the tempo slowing down or speeding up. Um, but the way that it's done, it just seems like someone's directing them on how to do it, which I think is probably an, an homage or, uh, or basically the result of their chemistry as a band and good rehearsing. But nonetheless, there is a lot more heavy lifting on this track as far as raw musicianship goes. So, and the mood, as far as the tone and the mood went, there was no room for silliness on this one. No, so they I mean. they they got the tone absolutely perfect, and they end they end the album on a weird note, but on a major chord and a question and kind of a hopeful tone. So, and it did, all the uh, all the emotions they went through, I thought that was a good choice to end that way. And, and I think it kind of set everything up for their f- future work too. Maybe you know? so. You know, I haven't. I've listened to the solo stuff, but I haven't really listened to um, the follow up album that came out in '97. Um, I'm gonna have to do that now. There's some really, really good stuff on there. Because again, I, like I got a bunch of stuff, but it wasn't like album, full albums and stuff like that. There is some kind of silliness in there. You know, this, this song called "Song for the Dumped," which is literally the guy got dumped on a date, and he wrote a song about it. Uh, th- there's, you know. One one angry dwarf, two hundred solemn faces. That's a great song. That's a you know that's a fuck you to everybody who ever bullied him. You know, and it's kind of yeah. got the same kind of vibe. That whole semi serious, sarcastic, cheeky chappy, deadly serious. You know, which is which yeah, is Ben Folds demo. He's good at melding melding those in separate songs and into one like combinations yeah. of one or many into one song. Yeah, he definitely. He definitely knows what he wants to write about, and he definitely has things that he wants to talk about. And, um, you know, he should be thanking those bullies a little bit for giving him all that uh, lyrical inspiration, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. For me, this is 9 out of 10. This, this, there's, there's, the only thing I have a problem with is, is video 
and the line in Alice Childress about the arranged marriage, which I don't quite understand. Sure. But, I mean, this um, is a solid nine. Yeah, um, I, I get you on those. Um, yeah, I'd have to give it a nine or a 9.5. Um, it's just, man, it's just a great album. Uh, just makes you feel good. It's got lots of different moods and tones and approaches. The lyrics are silly. They're profound. They're deep. I mean, it's it's a very, very complex um but easily palpable somehow album well, not, uh, fantastic and not just that i mean you know we've given a lot of credit to ben Folds lyrics his piano playing but robert sledge and darren jesse are just as important musically as ben Folds is in this one yeah, they, they're all they're all awesome and that's that's why it works um you know they say a band is only as good as his drummer and you know the darren darren jesse was a fantastic addition um, to this band when he put it together. Yeah. Uh, he absolutely murdered every song on there. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Sledge's bass playing, my god, just yeah. Oh, it's totally. He plays. He plays bass like a like a trumpet player. Yeah, I mean, he every- has, he has res- respect for spaces and slides and you know dynamics. He's very very good. Everybody talks about somebody like Flea, for example, who you know is a very very um, uh, unconventional drum uh, unconventional bass player. But yeah. I think for different reasons, Robert Sledge is better at that unconventional style of things. What we'd consider unconventional. Because, I mean, a lot of rock songs is just, you know, you play the, the bass note. Whereas he's, you know, going up and down and fuzzing out and filling. He's creating textures. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely writing his own story. And that's something that I pride myself on as a bassist when I can write a bass line. Like, I always try to make the bass line do something and say something. He definitely did that on this album, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, the only part I didn't like about the harmonizing was it just went a little over the top on Underground. I mean, I know it was, yeah. just, I know it was supposed to be a little more lighthearted and ha-ha-ha, but I mean, it just... They went, were going for campy a little bit, yeah. so maybe that's what they were going for. But yeah, I could see that. I think they were mixed kind of high. I think they should have mixed them down or panned them a little bit, yeah. personally, but that's just me. I mean, look, while this wasn't a big album in the United States, I mean, this was huge. In, I say huge. This was big in Japan where Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5 have a huge following. They have a huge following yeah. in Japan, uh, Australia, Korea, you know, just, just, they, they love them down there. Uh, they it were picked, old in Japan, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, they, they they were picked up by a major label. I think Ben Folds actually lived in Australia for a while too with his third wife. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they were picked up by a major label after this. They had to have been. There was no way that they could have kept this a secret and not signed yeah. to a big label. Um, they released uh, two more albums uh, that were met with just as equal critical acclaim. You know, they it's like they didn't miss a step. It's like, you know, they hadn't run out of inspiration. Um, I think they took their third album just a little bit more serious in terms of production style because they knew that they didn't want to do any more after that. And they were on the precipice of getting that last shot at, yeah. you know, make, getting that quick buck or making that buck and then, you know, moving to the next project. Yeah. So they, they I mean, they, they split up in 2000, they reformed in 2008 and then did like another album and another tour back in 2011. And then they split up again for quote unquote for good. You know, uh, the great thing about it was it was an amicable split up. And I love it when bands amicably decide to, to part ways because that just means it's not goodbye. It's just see you later, you know? Yeah, I mean, people get burnt out, um, lives change, and then with bands too, man, I mean, sometimes you just run out of stuff to say, run out of stuff to do, you know? Yeah, so that's... It's sad, but it's got to happen sometimes. Yeah, but that, that's, I think that's the best way. If you're not going to stay together forever, that's the best way to, to break up, I think. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'll, yeah, yeah. If you get, Always keep for wanting the fans, more. anything. 
There you go. Yeah, we'll do for the for the fans too. When when bands have ugly breakups, it really hurts the fans too. Yeah. Now I'm gonna challenge you. you know, I'm gonna challenge you on one thing before we head on out here. You say a band is only as good as a drummer. Oasis's best work was done with their worst drummer. <laughs> really? Huh. Well, you know, it's like you know, it's the music industry. It's yeah. uh, it's never there's never uh really a rule to anything. There's 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 you know always going to be exceptions. Always uh. The first, the first rule of, of sound is if it sounds good, it is good. So yeah. if they sounded good with that drummer, then it was good. Yeah. So. so, all right, man, that's, that's, it's really appreciative. I'm, I'm glad you joined me on this, uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. Wink. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, may your turkey be moist and not be described it that way. Uh, <laughs> Please. So we're going to be back here in a few minutes just to let you know what we've got coming up because I think we've only got one more episode left in this season before we do our special Christmas run, which I'll get into here in a few minutes. Greg, it's cool. been awesome. We will see you next season. All right, man. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. We'll see you later. See you, man. Appreciate you. See you. until I was editing that that was a long long conversation so uh thank you everybody who took the time to listen to the whole thing all the way and special thank you to Greg Gregory uh Greg man as always very very knowledgeable in what we were speaking about and yeah it was good to have him on and Greg will be back next season because yeah we're getting near the end of time folks but uh if you want to follow greg go check out the holodex.com and of course he's on twitch he, he plays games on occasion check out twitch.tv slash vintage underscore eyes so i also want to apologize for the thanksgiving references uh this was originally supposed to come out thanksgiving weekend but honestly uh, we just had a lot of stuff going on with Thanksgiving and I hit my face and then with the charity drive and everything like that. So uh, apologies for all the Thanksgiving references. The only thing that is true about all of this is that it was released the day after the uh, charity live stream that we did yesterday. I did it, guys. I took Wales all the way to the World Cup final. I feel great. We won. Yay! And I had a lot of fun doing it too. So, you know... um. So yeah, that was our charity live stream for this year. If you guys are still interested in donating to the Mustache and Mullet Drive, go check out our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram. The links are in the description for Instagram, and of course, they're the pin posts for Facebook and Twitter. And also, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be posting the pictures of myself, mustached and mulleted up. Uh, the reason I, I was going to do it the whole month, I'll be completely honest, the reason I didn't do it, there was just a whole bunch of... of personal stuff going on that uh i'm really really not comfortable wearing the hairstyle all the mustache together so they both went last night um but yeah but either way the charity stream's up there and it is up there for posterity so if anybody wants to watch it we're on our youtube channel go check out the stream in its entirety there okay next week um well actually before i go ahead and tell us what's on next week uh because we have finished 
Oddworld. We have no 90s gamer content coming out until the middle of January next year. So it's going to be about a month, five, six weeks away. Uh, we're going to be continuing the adventures of Abe. And we're going to be continuing with Oddworld Abe's Exodus, which is a different game. Uh, basically in the same style, but uh, there's a couple of differences. But yeah, it's a different game. And out of the two of them, this is the one I love the most. Uh, it's got a lot more functionality. And yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. We're looking to bring that back sometime in January. And um, I'll have a whole extra, extra episode at the beginning of the year. Kind of explaining what our plans are for the year and so on and so forth, okay? So you want to keep uh, subscribed for that. So that is it for Season 7 when it comes to normal content. Uh, we've had a good season. We've had some great episodes. Some brilliant episodes, if I do say so myself. Uh, but... We're not done with Season 7. We're done with the normal content. So what are we going to be doing? Well, we got three more episodes of this season to go. We're going to pack in some festive cheer. So, next week, Sarah is back. She's going to be joining me. And we're going to be going through the first of our three holiday movie spectaculars. They are going to be as follows. Home Alone. Home Alone 2. And four rooms. Basically two Christmas movies and a New Year movie. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start doing that next week. And we'll have all three recorded. And so on and so forth. So thank you guys so much for uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, apologies for the length of the discussion. It was such a good discussion though I couldn't cut anything out. And of course, thank you for taking part and helping us with our charity live stream. Okay, So we'll be back next week with Sarah. We'll be back with Home Alone, and we'll see you soon. Take it easy, and I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, because I know I didn't. <laughs> see y'all. Who's got the looks? Who's got the brains? Who's got everything? <laughs>